At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello everybody, welcome back to the You're Gonna Die podcast by me, Jordan Howes. Today we are on episode 11 and my voice probably now sounds a bit unfamiliar to you guys. Basically, I've been gone for a little while if you haven't noticed. I'm finally back and I'm gassed to be here. So before we get into it, if you want to follow my social media, my Instagram is at underscore. That's H-O-W-E-S-Y dot underscore. My YouTube channel is the same, but without the dot underscore, you can find all of the other links through those social medias there. But I think I owe you guys a bit of an explanation because I've been pretty MIA for the last, God, like two and a half months now. I think it's been about, yeah, two and a half months since February. Basically, for those who don't follow me on social media, I moved to Spain for a little while. In, in fact, I moved to Barcelona in, in February now. And uh, yeah, obviously, I didn't have any of my podcast equipment over there. So it kind of just made life hard to actually get podcasts out. Obviously, I told you guys it was weekly uploads, but like everything in my life and kind of by the ethos of the name of this podcast, like you have to take risks sometimes. And I had a risk of being able to go and live in Spain for two and a half months, relatively cheap. And it was all kind of perfect for me. So I just had to do it and I didn't really have space to bring the podcast off. So I am sorry for that, but I am back and I am ready to start uploading weekly again. And hopefully you guys will forgive me for my mistakes. But you're all probably wondering, oh, Jordan, what are you going to waffle about on this podcast? Well, today I'm going to be explaining the whole story from from where I got this idea to move to Spain, how I got there, the things I did while in Spain and just the whole trip because there were some pretty interesting things. So stay tuned because you're going to be hearing stories about me climbing an Olympic stadium, how I was living on a boat while I was over there. And yeah, basically, we're going to be going through them. So let's just get right into it. So first things first, the reason I actually went to Spain and the reason I had this opportunity come up is because I travelled to Barcelona in December of last year. And while I was there on the last day, I happened to meet a girl. Um, Her name's Ainoa, for anyone who wants to know. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail because my personal life's a bit more personal for me. But anyways, I met this girl in December and essentially we've been talking, just chilling ever since, like got on really well, just seeing each other, just chilling, that sort of stuff basically just yeah just average life really anyways I really got on with this girl and and we've been speaking since then and in January she happened to just be like oh like do you want to come visit me in Spain at some point this year and I was like 
yeah, why wouldn't I? Like, that's a sick opportunity. Like, I'd only met her once in December. So I was like, yeah, sure, let's let's go out and have a look. So basically, in February, I booked a flight to Barcelona and was just like, yeah, sure, like, I'll come out. Like, I haven't really got much to do. Uh, for those who know me, I have a job which pretty much allows me to not be in one place anytime. And I was still getting paid furlough for my old job at the time. So even if I didn't get much work while I was in Spain, I still would have been able to survive on the money that I was getting through furlough anyway. So that was kind of just like a win-win-win situation. Like, what are you? What what is the problem with that? You know, <laughs> like move to Spain and be paid for doing pretty much no work if I wanted to, and just have a sick time. So yeah, that was kind of the initial motive. And obviously, I wanted to go see Ainoa, and it was just kind of perfect like that. So yeah, the day come, and obviously, as you will probably know, traveling out of the UK at that time was pretty much prohibited. There were limited reasons as to why you're actually allowed to leave the UK, and Without going into too much detail, I had one of the reasons as to why I was allowed to leave the UK. So there's me armed up to the teeth with all of my documentation as to why I need to go, bloody bloody blah, and I was off. So basically, I come into a bit of a into a bit of a problem to start off with as well. I noticed that basically Spain had closed its borders to anyone with an English passport. And although I had valid reasons, I thought that perhaps they weren't going to be so understanding as to why I while I was travelling anyway. So what I come up with this genius plan to do was to essentially fly via another country, which isn't England, for example. So I had booked a flight to Ireland, which is obviously not far from from where I am. And it cost me like nine pound for the flight or something. And the flight to Barcelona cost me like nine or 10, 10 euros as well or something like that. So it was just like a super cheap flight. And essentially, I flew to uh island and got there and i had to wait over like a 12 hour period or something just over 12 hours anyway so i probably arrived there at like i don't actually remember to be honest it was in the morning i arrived in ireland in the morning and my flight wasn't till the following morning so i think i arrived at 7 7 a.m or 8 a.m and i had my flight at like 7 8 the next morning so i was there for like 24 hours sorry i think i got that a bit wrong but Essentially, I got to Ireland and I was on my own and I just reached out to my network of people and was like, yo, people, what's, what's everyone saying? I'm in Ireland. Can anyone like give me a motive of something to do? Anyways, so no one got back for a little while. So I was in Ireland just doing bits and pieces, just exploring, having a look around the town. I went to a little, got some munch, standard stuff. And then I got a message back off a guy I know. And uh, he said to me, oh, oh, how's he? What are you saying? Like, uh, uh, I can take you to an abandoned building if you like. And I was like, mate, yeah, like bring me in. Anyways, we ended up meeting up and going to like this abandoned factory. It was super cool. Kids, super nice. Um, and then, yeah, we're just like chilling pretty much. And that was pretty much most of Ireland, to be honest. After that, I had to go back. I ended up sleeping in the Irish airport, which wasn't too bad. I was I was on the floor, but I'd like created a, a bed space out of doormats and, and pillows and seats and stuff I'd found. So the normal like homeless situation for me, really. Um, so I was in Ireland, slept there got the flight in the morning. When I actually got to to Barcelona, I got pressured hard from them, right? But because I'd been in Ireland, there wasn't any reason they could kind of tell me to go because I hadn't come directly from the UK. Although I had a British passport, I did have a valid reason to be there. But for some reason, they were just like being weird about it anyway. And so one of them was like, anyways, I didn't speak much Spanish at this point. He didn't really speak much English either. And he was telling me, no, like, you can't come in. You can't come in. Like, this isn't good enough. And I was like, well, I've got all the reasons. Like, this is this is on the legal reasons to travel. And 
the guy was just like, no, I'm going to have to go get my supervisor. Anyways, he went and got his supervisor. So there's now two Spanish people like pressuring me hard about where I've come from, where I've been. Dudley, 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 dudley. I had COVID tests and everything. So it wasn't even a problem. And yeah, so he didn't even know what to do. The next supervisor who then called his supervisor, who then called the other supervisor. There was ended up being like four Spanish police officers just pressuring me at the border. And I was literally sweating through my outfit thinking I'm about to get turned away or in more trouble, you know? So that happened and then after like 10 minutes of me not speaking any Spanish and him getting really angry and like kind of being fed up with me because I didn't speak any Spanish he just like I heard one of them kind of say like in Spanish I, I knew a little bit he said like oh well it's, it's your choice like he's come from Ireland like he's he's been there and he's got Covid tests so it's kind of your choice to let him in or not and the guy was just like sure and then just let me in like he was kind of like oh just go like after a while and mate the second I crossed that border like the feeling of like I don't know what the, the word is, like, is it euphoria? Or like, anyway, like the feeling of happiness was just, oh, it was mad. Like I was just, it was just, or an, a feeling of ecstasy, is that it? Yeah, anyways. So I was feeling super gassed, like I got through, I called my mum on the metro and was like, mum, I made it. And she was just, everyone was just like, mate, how has this kid just left the country? Anyways, I was on the thing and I was on the metro and then I ended up uh, texting I know her and was like, yeah, I'm going to come see you now. And then I met up with her and that's kind of how I got there in the first place. Like, it was kind of hard, but it was worth it to get there in the end. And it obviously ended up being very profitable because I was there for two and a half months, which was just amazing. Probably one of the best times of my life. Um, and yeah, I was just I was just beyond gas. But the thing is, with, with moving to someone, right? Not to someone. To, well, yes, that still. But moving to somewhere else, like, you have to do a few things, right? Obviously, like, you somewhat have to adjust to the culture. Like, the difference between living somewhere and basically staying there for, like, a week or whatever. Staying there for a week, you can kind of get away with eating what you'd normally eat and drinking what you normally drink. But being somewhere for so long or, well, eventually, I kind of wanted to, like, adjust my diet a little bit. And because I was living with Ainoa, um, she's actually a vegan. So she was obviously eating vegan food in, the uh, in like, where she lived. I'll explain that in a minute. And uh, I was trying to like kind of copy that because I didn't want to just bring some fat steak in in and start cooking that where she lives, you know. Um, and just as a side note, she lives on a boat, by the way, in a port. Like she has a she has a boat uh, and she lives on a boat. So essentially, yeah, I just come to live on the boat. Bit of a random one, super strange. Yeah, I'd love to explain it all, but it's a long story. Anyway, so I'm on the boat and I'm trying to be vegan. I'm trying to eat for the first like three days. No cap. Yeah. My digestive system was on a loose one. Like I'd been going from eating like fairly unhealthy foods to suddenly eating like pure vegetable mixes and like corn meat and that. And it was just like, mate, like it's just a big change. It's like, it's not normal, you know, like it's not normal for your digestive system to just 180 degrees. But at that time I was quite like wanting to do it because I suffer with uh, acne. I always have done for the last like three years, four years, something like that. So I wanted to try a new diet because that's the only thing I hadn't tried to get rid of my skin. I tried so many different natural cleaning products, all of that, and it wasn't really doing much better. So I thought perhaps it's like not drinking enough water and diet. Anyways, so I jumped on this new diet. It ended up actually really working out because my skin's super clear now, uh, amongst other things. But um, that was like the initial point to start like changing it around. But yeah, it just, I didn't realize, and I want to like stress this to you guys, how much a diet can actually change like your mood and your everything. Like it was making me sleep better. It was making me feel better. I was drinking more water. I was healthier, happier. I was just like, my quality of life just felt like it went up. And it's just kind of one thing I noticed in the UK is like the food here, like because we get it imported, it's super like 
preserved and there's added chemicals and it's not really that fresh like a little fun fact for you all like within like the first three days of harvesting a fruit it loses something ridiculous i don't know the exact stats but it loses over like 50 percent of its nutritional value whereas in spain they they home grow a lot of food so you're getting a better quality of food while you're there too um which is just it it just changed everything like even if you tried to eat fresh in the uk like although it's healthier than a mcdonald's for example it's still not going to be like amazing compared to other countries because we have to import everything and it sometimes spends like a week or two like being being like processed and shipped so they have to add things to it and yeah basically the uk is trash for food but that's just that's another story in itself but essentially what i'm trying to say to you guys is i didn't realize how much a healthy diet would actually change you until i realized i've always been quite healthy myself i've always been in exercise i've always been like just pretty much healthy living but until i actually got out there and changed my diet completely i really didn't realize how much it was actually going to affect me for the good so if you're listening to this and you need like a little bit of motivation take this as your sign to go out and start spending more money on healthy food rather than anything else because you'd spend 50 pound on a meal out of your friends or maybe like a bottle of wine but you wouldn't spend 50 pound for a week's worth of fresh fruit you know what i mean like you guys need to start like investing in yourself as i as i didn't and i've kind of learned that mistake now so from now on for me healthy eating, healthy living that's where it's at but yeah that was pretty much a crazy one anyway so once i'd been kind of settled in and i was in barcelona now i was kind of looking for like what i wanted to do and one of the first major things that me and i know actually did was was go and climb a mountain and there's actually a, a kind of cool story behind this so the mountain's called montserrat uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of it. It's quite tall. I think it's like 1,400 or 500 meters tall, which is obviously quite tall. It's taller than pretty sure any mountain in the UK. Ben Nevis might be of similar height, but I think it's taller than that anyways. Um, admittedly, I didn't climb from bottom to top. We actually did the more touristy thing because we was, we was short on time. And anyways, it was all a bit confusing. But we woke up in the morning. We decided we were going to get a, a coach, right? A coach. So we had to go to somewhere called Plaza, Plaza España or Plaza Thant, sorry, which is like, uh, which is like just a region in Spain. Anyways, it's like where main, main like uh, buses and trains go. So got there, very nearly missed the bus because they're actually living in like ancient times where they can't use card on buses and you actually have to give them cash. So basically i got there and was like mate i have i was like do you take contactless and he looked at me like an absolute spoon like mate i do not take contactless so i then had to ask him to wait the bus because the buses only run like once or twice a day so if i miss that i wasn't going to the mountain essentially and yeah me and i know are we're sprinting down to a cash point we've asked him to wait he's like yeah sure but don't take long run get cash out back to the back to the um the coach get on the coach and when i tell you yeah this coach journey was the most beautiful journey in a, in a vehicle I think I've ever done. Like, it started off super flat outside of Barcelona City. Like, I was just like, eh, it is what it is. It was nice to see anyway. And then we started getting to, like, the mountain roads. And I was like, mate, these, these roads are unbelievable. Like, they were just, like, you was going around these windy roads. Like, you'd see in, like, a Facebook video where the, the huge coaches are, like, going around tiny little roads. It was, like, pretty much identical to that. Like, I was honestly gobsmacked by it. And it was just a beautiful journey the whole way up. It took about an hour from Barcelona City to the top of the mountain. But, well, I, well not the top, but close. So on the mountain, there's a thing called a monastery. It's like, obviously, for those who know, it's like some religious place to do with monks and stuff. I think that's what it is anyway. And we went to the monastery and it was a super nice building. It looked super cute, like just cool, basically. And we were chilling around there, got some food, standard stuff. But from the monastery itself, you actually, to get to the top of the mountain, you have to walk another two hours, I'd say. Um, yeah, maybe two, two and a half hours. So we just smashed that out, met some cool people along the way, did the walk, 
got to the top, met loads of cool people at the top as well, just had lunch. And like the view from this mountain was unbelievable. Like the day was super clear. Like the cloud coverage was super high. So you could see everything. And it just felt like it was the highest mountain I've been on, let alone being able to see the floor, like the sea level from the top as well. Like it was so, so tall and it was just beautiful. So that was just like a nice thing in itself. But the story actually kind of starts like towards the end of the day because we was up the mountain. Cool. Yeah. Tourist stuff. Tourist house. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, I come down and it was time to go home and we'd we'd booked the coach like we'd booked the the coach back there was also a train station on this on this mountain and we were like mate ha, like that's calm like we're just going to get one or the other like even if one fails we'll just get the other so we go to where the coach is essentially supposed to pick us up and when i tell you this coach did not arrive one single bit mate like this coach was supposed to arrive at 6:15 and we waited till like 6:45 not a single sign of the coach so I go to like the little security office. I'm like, yo, boss, what are you telling me about this coach? Like, where is it? And he's like, mate, what do you mean coach? There is no coach coming today. Yet on the official website, it said there was a coach coming at 6.15. And I'm just sitting there like, mate, you're just a joke. Like, why are you lying for? Anyways, he was like, it's not my problem. Like, blah, blah, blah. just super rude as most of the Seguridad guards are there. That's, for those who don't know, Seguridad is how you say security. But it's like a company in, in, in Spain as well for like private security. Anyways um yeah so he was like not my problem just being super rude and i was like well we'll just get the train then go to the train station train station is locked right no trains i'm like mate i'm gonna be stuck on this mountain all night long like me and i know are just stressing because it's just like how hell are we gonna get down it started to get dark we was on a mountain there was no one really around like a lot of the people already left and we were just looking around like what do we do like we're gonna have to find someone who's driving to like potentially give us a lift but obviously this is covid time at the same time so obviously like that's easier said than done because most people are just like no like it's covid anyway so i saw this group like this family looked kind of nice i went over like oh blah, blah blah well i didn't actually i had to get i know to do it because they only speak spanish so i was just spoke spanish sorry so i got her to go over and was like yeah she asked they were like no sorry like basically we can't and i was just like all right mate like that is what it is and we were kind of like losing hope at this time we were just thinking like what are we gonna do like it's, it's just a bit it's a bit tragic so we started panicking a little bit like not bad but like we knew it was gonna be tragic so we thought next option perhaps walk down the mountain no it wasn't gonna happen it was like an hour and a half walk from there to the nearest train station like it was just long we thought we'd like basically get all of our other options out first and essentially we saw two people they were they were quite nice looking there was a young couple as it seemed we found out they are actually a couple now and we went over they ended up being called paul and i can't pronounce mireya mireya yeah mireya anyways so paul and mir <laughs> i literally can't say her name mireya mireya yeah and we ended up like linking up with them and then we was like yo like uh we can't get down like you guys heading towards the train station he was like mate like you're so lucky we actually are going down towards that way like we live in that area or he did anyway and we was like mate i just felt like the stroke of luck was just there for me and so we got in his car we basically like got a lift down they ended up being super nice um oh, it's so hard to pronounce mireya mireya actually spoke english she was like doing an english degree or something like along lines in university and paul also spoke english so it's kind of perfect for me so they spoke spanish and english to talk to me and i know her um Side note, I know at the time didn't speak much English and I spoke barely any Spanish. So obviously you can take what you want from that, but it was quite hard to communicate in the start. So anyways, they were like translating for us and we were talking and we, we kind of like learned each other anyway. But 
um, all was well. We got to the bottom, ended up getting a train home. So we narrowly avoided getting in a very bad situation. Like we could have been stuck on this mountain, like trapped all night. You would have been saying, kind of like, what's that film? Like 127 hours later, I mean, stuck between the rock because I would end up falling down like some ravine or something. Honestly, like it just would have been like that. But yeah, that ended up happening. So that was Montserrat. But moving on to like the next thing that I like kind of like wanted to tell everyone about Spain is like, I didn't realize how buff the food was going to be. Like, while I was out there, I must have spent so much money on food. Like, I was just going to, like, all-you-can-eat Japanese buffets most weeks and, like, going to all these different places just to eat unbelievable food. Like, in, in Spain, they have this, like, traditional... Or not Spain, in, in Barcelona, they have this traditional, like, food where, like, they they have, like... I've said, like, about 10 times, man. They have... For, like, a starter, they have, like, toast. But it's, like, with oil and garlic and all that kind of stuff but with like tomato mush tomato on toast and like if you haven't had that before like it's unbelievable like it's so nice like i'd recommend it if you go to barcelona and get like a like a traditional like meal from that area you know so that was super nice i ended up eating this thing as well which was like pork and i've always been taught that pork is is obviously supposed to be cooked through and throughout and anyway, so he, he come out of this pork plate and put it on the desk and was like, mate, there you go, like, there's your pork. And it was like red in the middle. It was like bloody pork. And I was like, mate, you can't eat that. Like, I was talking, to, I was actually with my friend Thomas that I met in Spain at the time. He's an English video uh, videographer from, from Reading originally who's been living in Barcelona with his girlfriend. And I was with him at the meal. He was the one kind of showing me around. And essentially, like, I was eating this pork and I was like, mate, it tastes so good, but why is it pink? And he was like, I don't know, like, I don't know what it is out here, how they cook it, but, like, I always thought the pork had to be cooked and I was just gobsmacked. Like, if anyone could explain that to me or knows that kind of thing, like, why it was like that, please tell me. But it was actually gorgeous, probably one of the best meats I've ever had, to be honest with you. But, yeah, Barcelona and Spain in general, the food is unbelievable. So if you're going to go out there, please go and eat the food. Anyways, kind of to, like, one of my main stories of the day and, like, what I probably am going to enjoy telling the most and probably one of my favorite experiences while I was in Spain is actually... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Basically, it was actually kind of like free things because my friend Usama and my mate George King, um, Usama Lama on YouTube and George King um, on Instagram, he's the guy who climbed the shard. He's actually due to come on this podcast um, hopefully in July, so that'd be quite nice to have him on. But essentially, they were coming out because George had a project, but... Before all of that obviously started, George was doing preparation for the project. I'll get into that story after. And Usama was with me in, in Barcelona. It was super nice to finally see someone. Like I was missing my family. Like I was barely speaking English. So it was like, it was so nice to see someone from London and just like be able to chill with him. And me and Usama have been on climbs and stuff before. But we was out and about 
And I said to you, Sama, like, yeah, we can go to this like viewpoint, a place called Montjuic. It's like a, not a mountain, but it's like a huge hill with like a big architecture building. And it's essentially like an art museum thing, I think. Anyways, I never got to go in it, but it was super nice. Like, look at our Montjuic mountain slash hill. And we was up there and I was like, he was looking for something to do because this viewpoint, you can kind of see a lot of Barcelona from. And I actually remember like around the corner, there's there's the Olympic Stadium where they've got like an athletics track or a football pitch, just like loads of different things there. Basically, it's like, yeah, one of the Olympic stadiums in Barcelona. And we was like, mate, I'd love to climb it. But we was looking at it and it was like, it was kind of impossible. And we was looking at the size and it was like, it was just going to be like a free climb up, like the free climbing that most of you imagine climbing buildings is, whereas most of the time we got up stairwells. But like, this was actually like proper climb, climb. And we, we'd spent like 10 minutes scouting it out, having a look around. And we was just like, mate, should we just do it? Like, we didn't even like think about actually wanting to do it at the start. We kind of just like, yeah, let's just get it done. So we was like scouting out for a little while, looking around. Um, and it was just like, yeah, pretty wow. And we ended up going for it. So we had to like climb up on, I'd say like maybe like, a couple meters high, maybe like 2.5 meter high fence, which was just like pretty easy, pretty standard. And for those who know, like old architecture with like the limestone bricks and then like all of like the carvings and stuff into it, we essentially had to like fingertip and toe tip grip the wall. Mate, I'm spitting bars. I should become a rapper. And yeah, basically, like we was climbing up that. I was like, mate, this is dead. I was like, Usama, you can go first. Like, Usama's talented climber. He knows what he's doing goes up, Usama gets up there pretty easily, like, you have to climb up, like, just a sheer wall, and then, like, get your chest up over an overhang ledge, and then this ledge is, like, maybe half a foot thick, so you then have to get your chest up onto that, then your foot up onto it, and climb up, super techie, like, proper rock climbing technique, and in doing that, if you fell at any time, you're basically going to break a bone at least, because there's a fence underneath you with uh, maybe a two or three meter drop on one side, plus the three or four meter wall, and then the the on the other side that was a little bit further as well and it was just like mate i'm just not gonna fall down that like it just can't happen so it's kind of a scary one usama got up i managed to get up somehow because even like the standing on the ledge thing that i was on and having to reach up to the overhang i could barely reach it like i was like a few centimeters off it so i actually had to like actually i actually had to jump to like get onto this ledge and i ended up doing it anyway it was scatty as hell probably one of the peakest experiences and I ended up getting up and walking along like this half a foot ledge, two or three stories in the air the whole way round for like maybe, maybe 30 meters. And I was just like, I ended up ripping my jumper as well. It was a fresher hoodie. I was so upset. But um, we ended up going around that climbing. It was kind of awkward. There is a YouTube video on Usama, on Usama's channel. It's Usama Lama. So if you want to watch it visually, go and watch that after this. But uh, yeah, that's quite interesting. You'll be able to visualize it more. And so we was walking around this ledge, proper like sprawled up against a wall to not fall. Because if you fall, it's... Mate, I'm spitting bars today. What is going on? Like, someone sign me right now. Any music labels, hit me up. What are you telling me? Like, I'm just saying that. Um, Or sponsor me, actually. I need a, spo- I need a sponsor for this podcast. Like, it would be nice, but... Yeah, hopefully I get some traction once I start getting things going again. But anyways, going up over this wall, ended up getting to a ladder on one of the things. It's kind of where we was aiming for. And that was nice. And... We got up onto the top of the ladder, onto the top of the stadium, and, and no shadow of doubt, I looked over the stadium and was like, mate, this is huge. We were like, we had no idea if there was security here at this point. We had no idea who was around, but we ended up exploring it with caution. We were sneaking around, making sure there's no one there. Normal standard stuff. And yeah, we ended up exploring the whole place. It was kind of like 
no one really around. We were going behind all the seats. We were going down like onto down like the bottom of the seats. We were going on the running track. We was on the roof. Like this roof had some really cool bar structures. We were like taking photos. The photos should be on my Instagram as well, or Usama's, and obviously the YouTube channel. You can see it there as well. And yeah, it was just like super cool. But the most interesting thing about this is we saw like on the front of the building there were these like chariot statues hanging over the edge with horses on obviously on the front. And you saw me was like, mate, it'd be jokes if like one of us sat on those horses. And I was like, mate, I would die to see a photo of me just sat over the edge of the Olympic Stadium on a horse. And we was like tapping it and knocking it. And it was like kind of hollow and a bit shaky. And I was like, mate, it's just gross. Anyways, I clearly don't value my life because within 10 seconds, I was sat on the back of the horse. Usama then joined me when he realised it was kind of safe and it was just funny because like, we were sat on these horses looking over like the whole of the front foyer part of the Olympic Stadium. I'm pretty sure someone saw us in the end and I'll explain why in just a moment but we got down, we ended up going on the pitch, like flipping around on the pitch, just having a jokes time and we ended up finding like a super easy way out as well so we didn't have to do that scatty climb on the way down but as we climbed out and over the fence, like within 15 seconds of getting back over the fence, like two or three police cars literally like just went round the corner, zoomed past us and like went round the back of the Olympic Stadium. And we were like, oh yeah, that's definitely for us. Like, so we like waited for them to pass and just like got super lucky with the timing. Ran down into like this forest, was like running through the trees, like going down these hills trying to get away. Basically like we were lucky because it was all like not roady there. It was more like forest and park. So we were pretty much like a needle in a haystack to get caught. We were like, if we just left like five minutes later, we would have been caught though, which was, which would have been a really bad one, especially as it's like their Olympic stadium as well. Like that, imagine doing that in the UK, you'd be in such a bad position. Like you'd be kind of like taking a piss out of, out of the Spanish government. We kind of did that a lot while I was there, to be honest with you. But yeah, so that, that was pretty sick. I mean, we got away in the end, thankfully, but it was still kind of scary. But yeah, that was that, that Olympic stadium was just like, first proper stadium I've done and like the free climb just made it so much better but that wasn't even the first like super cool experience that we actually we did while we were there we we also had another project and for those who might have seen it all over the news at the minute we I was actually part of the behind the scenes and media team for a project George was working on and like I said before he was the guy who climbed the shard so we can we can kind of visualize what we're working with here and in in Barcelona there's basically like three main free climbable buildings which is like the Barcelona trip like triplet as such that people do so there's hotel arts which my friend uh, the little nuisance Adam did and there's uh, Tori Agbar which George and nuisance have both done and then there's Skymelia and Skymelia is the building in question for today's story basically George and Usama got out as well they had work reasons to get to travel like they just yeah it was perfect so they met me out here and George basically called me and was like yo like before he even comes to Spain I need a photographer for this can you come through like obviously I was already there it was just super convenient timing that I was there and I was like yeah of course ended up helping him out and we arrived but like this 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 was like a planned operation like we'd well, I say we, George and Usama had bought a, an Airbnb directly opposite the building with a with a balcony, the lot, so we could set up camera angles. They could stay there. He could always see the building, test it out. A lot of planning went into it, months and months of, of mental preparation and physical preparation and all the rest of it. And the day come around. So I actually organized a team of a few people while I was there because I had been doing some networking. So I found some videographers um, Usama actually had a drone as well, which was why, why he was there to shoot the drone footage. So in this building, we ended up putting Usama on the roof of the building to fly the drone. We had 
me on the balcony with my friend Javi and uh, my friend Thomas, the same videographer as before. And essentially at the start, um, we were at the bottom of the building, me and Thomas. Um, Javi was on the balcony. Thingy was on the roof. Your son was on the roof. And that was kind of how the situation was working. And that was like the, the media team for it. George started the climb, basically went out the apartment, super fine. Me and Thomas followed him. We had like media press coverage already planned. So at the bottom of the, I keep saying we, this was all planned by George, by the way. Like I was just part of the media for it. It was kind of last minute for me. But anyways, he had like loads of media stuff planned. So it, it would make news and whatnot. It was actually working for a project, uh, for a guy who's making a music video and also in collaboration with some, with some other like companies. And Essentially, he started the climb, me and Thomas at the bottom taking photos. For those who listen to my podcast regularly, I would have told the story where I got my SD cards taken away from me when the police beat me up last time in Barcelona and I was not prepared this time. So I had fake SD cards. I was ready to balls that SD card, stick it to my nutsack the second any police turn up just so they wouldn't get it. Um, Super prepared. Everything was perfect. A police car actually drove past as he started climbing, but just didn't see. I really don't know how they didn't see. We were all stood there pointing cameras and they just literally pulled up at the headlights. We all looked at each other super tense. Like, are they about to get out and ruin everything? But it ended up not being super tense and like they just drove past. It ended up taking them after that 15 minutes to get any police over. And it was just like, we were there for like at least 10 taking photos. I was like, right, I've got enough at the bottom. He was out of my camera range at that point. So I went up to the balcony shot a couple photos there straight up to the roof me Javi Thomas all on the roof with Usama just having a jokes time he ended up climbing like I don't know how many meters but it, it was tall tall it was it was like it was above I think it was like a 150 meter building or something like that I might be I might be completely wrong George if you listen to this I'm sorry bro like I didn't mean to fucking <laughs> I didn't mean to play it down if it's way taller but it's super tall if you go on my Instagram you'll see the photos or if you go on George's Instagram um the shard climber you'll see um, you'll see on his Instagram all of the photos and videos as well. It's quite an interesting one. Go give it a watch. And yeah, that ended up working out really well. But it was actually the, the aftermath that become a problem. Like there was like four, four or five police cars or something, two or three fire engines, one ambulance. And they were all like frantically running around looking for us because they knew that we were there with a drone. And the drone laws in Barcelona are super peak. So it's like you're not allowed to fly drones in Barcelona. And they were looking for the drone pilot because the thing is with Spanish police is they care more about power and how they look to people and being scared, like people being scared of them than the actual law. So although it's not illegal to film there, they just, they, they try their very hardest to stop people filming and seize any footage or, or the drones. And yeah, they were like searching for the drone, but we had like a, a battle plan for the drone to fly out and then come back without them seeing it. So they thought it was like more in the distance, you know? Anyways, we ended up getting away with it super slick. We outplanned the police. It was We were all super hyped. We ended up getting lunch after that, doing some mad things. And it was all crazy. But it ended up like coming after a few days later when Usama was in the town centre um, flying his drone near the Sagrada Familia. And basically, we don't even know to this day how they found out who he was. But even an hour later, after he'd fly, uh, flew the drone and literally left, walked away for an hour, and then like went to a cafe to get a coffee two or three undercover police officers like basically like come up behind him grabbed him and didn't even barely tell him like what was going on they didn't speak english they just flashed a badge at him and then threw him in the back of a car drove him to the police station he probably had no idea what was going on like just flashing a badge at someone like you know what i mean you could be getting kidnapped easily if he had a fake badge like anyways you saw him a kind of was like hearing what they were saying a little bit and while they he was in the the cell for like an hour or whatever he was hearing them talking about like 
Sky Melia, Sky Melia. And they were like, but he thought at first it was just because like the drone or whatever, um, or perhaps for the Olympic Stadium. And then when he started hearing him say Sky Melia, Sky Melia, like it kind of like went into his head as to why they caught him. But he'd already deleted all the footage at this point. So there was nothing they were going to find. And they were trying to make it sound like they were only getting him just because he was flying the drone, yet they didn't delete any other footage. They were just specifically looking for the Skymelia footage. But again, we outplanned them. They let him go in the end. But that basically told us that they'd launched a private investigation into us and to like basically find us all and search all of us to get the footage, even though it had already made international news. It was just like them saving face because they were just ego hurt because four, four kids from the UK completely mugged them off or three kids in the UK just mugged them right off. And uh, yeah, they were super upset about it. And it, that went on for a little while. Like we ended up walking past another building in Barcelona and the security guards literally ran out of the building past Hotel Arts. We weren't even planning on climbing it to like to try and grab George called the police the police were searching for us again like they were super invested in time and money into finding us even though we hadn't committed a criminal offense they were just butt hurt because we basically mugged them off but yeah like this just goes to show like kind of how the police in in Spain deal with things because without fear they don't control anyone that's that's the only thing they go off in Spain like everybody's scared of the police like that's just that is what it is um, but yeah, that's kind of like the whole Sky Media situation. So that that was quite interesting. It was super nice to get my own back because after when they violated me the first time with the Barcelona Torre Agba climb, when I got my SD card seized and two months worth of footage taken off me, I was just super upset. And yeah, I'm super gassed this day that we mugged them off because yeah, and I, I hope to go back and do it again, to be honest, because I just want to keep getting my own back. But yeah, that was kind of like, that was kind of sick. Um, one other thing we ended up doing was actually we ended up climbing a crane, me, George and Usama. It's kind of funny because like when we got there, the sites in in Spain are, are like more robust and not robust, but like old school. Like they're more like thin, flimsy fences, whereas in the UK, they're big, tall wooden fences. So like we was, it was kind of like looking it's something kind of out of a movie. It's how a construction site in, in Spain would look in your head, to be honest. And yeah, so we went in, we scouted it out climbed over the loudest fence I've possibly ever climbed over I literally said to you Summer and George like bear this in mind everyone and keep this in your head I was like mate this fence is so sharp like watch it cut one of us anyways didn't cut us on the way over went up the stairs it was actually two buildings placed next to each other two big super square like chody looking buildings they were still quite tall but they were wide and there was a crane on the top we did both buildings got the photos climbed the crane but the interesting thing about this is like on the crane we was walking along the arm and while I was on the arm, I put my hand on like this wire and I'm not even joking. The wire genuinely shocked me, like not to a point where it like made me like, like, how was the word? Like not, oh, how do you, how do I explain it? Like obviously like an electric shock that would stop you, like would seize up all of your muscles and an electric shock was more like, it was more powerful. If any of you have ever like touched one of them things that you kill flies with, you know, those bats, it's like probably like five or six times the power of that, but not enough to like paralyze me, you know, like. Anyways, it zapped me and it shook me up because I was like, what the hell is that? Like, I was so scared. But it ended up being all right. And yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of long. But it like, it zapped me. The crane was super cool. Like, the sky is really like brown in, in, in Barcelona because all of the street lights are like orange. So it's like a brown sky all the time. So we were kind of visible, but we ended up not really being seen anyway, which was actually kind of nice anyway. And yeah, we we had the, the the crane sorted. Like it was kind of sick. George and Usama were going in a few days, so it was like a nice finishing touch, you know, to like the trip. But 
yeah, that ended up being quite cool as well. But they're kind of like the main things that I did while they were there. They ended up leaving after that. And I was like kind of sad because I was now on my own again. Not on my own, with I know, obviously. And she was more than good company. But obviously, it's nice to have my English boy mates as well. Like to, to kind of have that like that that attitude with as well. Like my climbing really like, you know what I mean? Like rough thing. Anyways. Yeah, so other than that, while I was in Spain, I actually got quite a bit of work. Um, I say quite a bit. I got one or two jobs uh, with some companies and uh, shot some content while I was out there, which was nice to earn a bit of money back while I was there as well. Um, ended up also meeting some boys from Germany. Um, I can put their, their Instagram down in the link below. I can't remember off by heart, but they were super calm. I ended up getting a friend who was like, oh, yeah, did you know that these these boys blah, 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 were in the same area as you? And I was like, oh, mad. So I dropped him a message. We ended up meeting at this place called Banca del Calmel, which is like a big, huge hill thing. And it's like the best view of the whole of Barcelona. We ended up meeting up there, getting kind of drunk, going back to like their camper van because basically they were on like a road trip around Europe in a camper van they'd got sponsored by a company and we was all in the back of the camper van just getting drunk like driving around Barcelona just having a jokes time ended up getting food uh just chill stuff with them kind of they were they were kind of there for like two days or whatever and they gave me like a couple locations to check out uh anyways made some good friends there so shout out to them boys and they went um kind of sad again getting my hopes up to meet new cool people because obviously urbex is fun but on your own it's not really that motivating and obviously the girl um i know other guys staying with obviously didn't want to come and climb a crane i was completely understandable like the police there would have like got her in a lot more trouble than they'd get me in you know so that's completely understandable but yeah i ended up seeing them and they gave me one location it's actually the final story little thing of today's today's podcast and it was actually an abandoned slash not abandoned slash disused slash corona affected diving pool the official diving pool but this this diving pool was placed on the side of a hill like looking over barcelona and i was just like mate this is gorgeous and the germany boys actually um like they tipped me off to him i was like yeah go here so i went there with um with adam little nuisance he ended up coming out this is kind of all over the place this story but he ended up coming out to see me for a few days because he was spending a lot of time in gran canaria um and he essentially come to Barcelona for a few days and I took him to this diving pool. We ended up like on the when we were like scouting out the building, we actually saw some other kids kind of like looking really suspicious in the area. And I just went over to him and was like, yo, boys, like, you don't have to like hide from us. We're looking to go in there as well. And they were like, oh, cool. Like, that's cool. Then um, ended up climbing up this disgusting pole thing, squeezing around a gap and then getting in. But there's like this is a full size Olympic diving pool with like a 10 meter board. I don't know what the other ones are, like seven, five and two or something. But yeah, first trick I ended up doing was like a half in back out, which is like a front flip 180 with a back flip out of it. So it's like a double flip, but with a half twist and a back flip. And I did it. I felt super cool in the air, ended up slapping on my back, which developed fucking whiplash over the next few days, which was so shit. Uh, I was stiff as a board for a few days, but at the time I didn't feel it. Ended up doing so many cool flips off that. Adam was super gas. I was super gas. Like, if you ever get to go there, if anyone goes Barcelona, shout me in. Like, uh, I'll show them the location. Um, but yeah, like, th- that ended up being so cool because we were just jumping off this diving board. There was loads of other kids in there as well. Like, uh, it was just so funny. There was probably, like, a group of, like, 15 of us or something just having to jump into this big pool. And it was just, like, perfect time, perfect experience. Make sure you go there if you go to Barcelona or if you've, if you've got, like, the bottle for it, you know, like feel like 30 years old listen to this and you don't want to climb over a wall like don't even think about it (laughs) 
but yeah that ended up being super cool um i've ended up coming back to spain uh, coming back to the uk since then and it was super sad to leave it was super sad to leave i know but i'm gonna be traveling back out there soon i'm probably gonna be spending quite a lot of the year there um which is nice so i've got now a base in england and spain which is super cool so you're gonna be seeing a lot of content from there but that pretty much sums up today's podcast i thought i'd just give you guys a bit of an update as to what's been happening where i've been what's going on because you deserve an explanation you're all loyal listeners and i felt kind of bad because i didn't really give many explanations as to why i was gone but you got to understand it was a perfect opportunity for me but that kind of concludes everything so like always thank you so much for listening to the podcast if you want to support me obviously share this around go onto my social media uh, my instagram is at underscore. that's h-o-w-e-s-y not h-o-w-s-e-y like most people make the mistake of and yeah if you want to donate to me i have a donation link in the uh description below this podcast is completely demonetized i maybe get like one one dollar or something ridiculous a month on ads at the moment um and that's it so basically if you can donate i'd love it all of the proceeds will go back into investing in the podcast better better space better quality equipment so obviously if you can do that would be nice but if not no problem again thank you so much for listening and i hope you all have a great evening thank you thank you thank you i'm back ready for weekly uploads have a good evening and goodbye at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.